Hey everybody, Nathan here, Sound of Sanity in the very near future. But first, if you love this show, we could really use your support. Please go today to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. That's patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Sign up today. If you don't know how Patreon works, basically you sign up to support us for a monthly fee as small as a cup of coffee at our good friends at Starbucks. In return, you get access to awesome behind the scenes content, including not available in any other place sketches featuring all your favorite Sanityville characters We've already recorded 15, count them, 15 He-Manologian skits that we'll be releasing there and absolutely nowhere else, including BJ's Lost Pipe, an ocean adventure, a jungle expedition. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you like fun things, and especially if you like supporting great content that could really use your help to survive and thrive, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity today. Plus, we get a bonus based on how much support we raise in the first month. So please act now. We appreciate anything you can do. And now, sound of sanity. Sanity. You're now listening to the sound of sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, joining you for another week. So excited to be here exponentially more excited because of the people that I'm with. I'm with them every week, and I'm always more excited to be with them than you can possibly fathom. You are incapable of knowing how exciting it is to do a show with these fine gentlemen. Why? Well, I'll tell you, because we've got Pastor Jacob Menzel. He's right over there. What's up? How you doing, Jake? Doing well. Fantastic. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeehaw. And, and, yeehaw, indeed. Yeehaw. yeehaw. I spent a weekend with Brandon Chastain recently. Yes, indeed. I did, too. I did, too. People can... It's This probably already dropped a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe one or two weeks ago. People can listen to our live show over on the booking if they want to... Yeah, we did our first ever live show in Madison, Wisconsin. It was super cool and fun. Totally interested in doing that sort of thing again for the booking. Met a, Possibly figuring out a way to do it with Sound of Sanity well, too. Well, so. we met Sound of Sanity fans. That was very nice. We met some people that were interested in meeting Benjamin Q. Sulcer, even. True story. Was he not there? They, they were more interested <laughs> he didn't in... find a way to tag along. He did not find a way to tag along. They were more interested, oh. actually, in meeting Benjamin J. Sulcer. Oh, good. But, good. you know, they yeah. knew the difference. So that was fun. <laughs> that's, and they did know that's the difference. Very it's, it's an important... It's a very crucial... Important. <laughs> speaking of which, we've got Benjamin J. with us today. Running the knobs and dials and all that kind of stuff. How you doing, Benny? Good, Nathan. I'm so glad to hear it. Hey, guys, let's get right into it. We are doing a sequel to our Netflix episode. I think it was called The Horror of Netflix. It came out a couple of weeks ago. And in that episode, what did we talk about, Benjamin? Oh, the horror. The horror. The horror. The horror. But I think it was more specific than just horror. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, we talked about how you have to have discernment when you watch Netflix or Anything Hollywood puts out. Well, that seems pretty obvious. Well, why was that even worth talking about, Jake? Because USA Today came out with an article that was like, Netflix is no longer family friendly. And a whole bunch of people were sharing it with their shock and awe faces like, guys, oh no, Netflix is no longer family friendly. Basically, our episode was like, y'all, if you thought Netflix was ever family friendly, then you got bigger problems. Yeah. And so that was basically our episode was... You can't assume anything out there is family friendly. You have to, and just shut down. You have to be exercising discernment all the time with these things. Yeah, if you were saying, oh, heavens, Netflix is unfair. If you were actually surprised by that, then eh, you need to open your eyes. Ben, do you stand by that episode? Yeah, I stand by that episode, Nathan. Jake, do you stand by that episode? Absolutely. Somebody asked me if I stand by that episode. Nathan, do you stand by that episode? Why, yes, I do, sir. And yet, we're returning 
to that fertile ground to discuss it a little bit more, chew that cut over. Yeah, I brought us back to it because fact is the level of discernment that you have to have with Netflix mm-hmm. is super intense. And I got a taste of it again. After we Not done for the that first episode. time, but after we immediately after that episode released, I think the same week that it came out, often at my house with my kids uh, on Friday nights, we have pizza and movie night. By the way, I just want to interrupt and say, it is amazing how many times we'll do an episode and then something will happen. Right. I think we should do an episode about how awesome it would be to have superpowers. Ah, yeah, that'd be great. I really think that's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're 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 doing movie nights with your kids. It's like the kids. same week that it came out. You know, if we're at home on a Friday night and we don't have like a, we'll often do a pizza and movie, camp out on the floor and pick you know some Disney Pixar or something or other because you know you can shut off your discernment and those right. guys are always good. You're a good dad. Yeah, I'm a good dad like that. Yeah, Commander Daddy. Yeah. Commander Daddy. So anyhow, I normally pick out the movie ahead of time. And I've thought about it and I've looked at, you know, what's on Prime, what's on Netflix, what's on whatever. And and I've picked the movie out. Uh, This time I did it. So I just opened up Netflix. And you know how sometimes you open up Netflix and they've got their Netflix original content that's just like in your face and the trailer starts playing right away. Yep. And so you open up the kids section of Netflix and this trailer for uh, The Dragon Prince starts playing. And I've never seen it. I've never really watched anime at all, but it's this TV show and it actually looks pretty cool. Kind of Lord of the Rings-ish and and just kind of neat and fun. And so, uh, and the kids were all like, oh, that looks cool. So I was like, okay, well, we can try it. I'm going to sit here with you, you know? And And so we tried it and it was pretty cool and pretty fun. We watched a couple episodes and after we're done, um, I I think I texted you and I said, hey, I watched this fun little thing on Netflix and Nathan was, lo- by you, I'm, I was looking at Nathan. Once right. And Nathan was like, I heard there was like a LGBT thing about that. And I, I didn't like, know anything about the show except for that I had just seen a headline, which I didn't even click on because I didn't care, that just said LGBT GQZ themes in the dragon prince or something so yeah so then i start looking into it and the creators have made a statement about how inclusive and diverse the show is going to be and and there are strong indications that they've already seeded a gay character or two that are going to be revealed you know in later seasons to have been gay this whole time this is the kind of thing netflix will do right and they do it all the time now and they're being more and more intentional about it and they're trying to like lead the way mm-hmm. like they're ahead of disney on it and disney's trying to do the same sorts of things but uh, another example of this that i've already hit up against is voltron which is a show that i really liked as a kid that netflix brought back from days of long ago the legend of Voltron, defender of the universe. A mighty robot. I watched a couple episodes with my kids and thought, okay, this is just fun, fine, whatever. Lion robots and bad guys. and What's that the like? Yeah, yeah, outer space and whatever, right? And so I watched a couple episodes with my kids. Okay, turning it on and leaving the room. Don't feel like I have to sit down and watch every... Except... So we'd watch, I don't think we'd, the kids had even gotten through like the first season or anything, but you know, last year about this time, we'd watch it every once. It'd be like on Friday night, Mm -hmm. if we couldn't find anything on, maybe we'd we'd watch an episode or two, an episode, an episode episode or two of Voltron. An episode or two. And then it, and then it went away, but you know, Peter, my oldest son dressed up as Shiro for Halloween. She was the main character. She was the main character of Voltron. And then they released their latest season, which I think is like season four or something like that. And in that season, somewhere along the lines, apparently, it's the, they have this whole big episode where it's a big reveal about Shiro's 
gay lover and how he he's been gay this whole time. It's like, okay, gross. I'm glad we stopped watching Voltron and now we're not going back to Voltron because I don't need my kids getting invested in Shiro and thinking Shiro is cool and pretending to be Shiro and dressing up for Shiro as Halloween and then, oh, Shiro's gay. And now they softened up to this sort of thing, which is exactly what they intended from the very beginning. But that's how subversive and, and perverse they are and how intentional they are about going after your kids. You just named two different shows that would be yeah. very easy for someone to get drawn in, to watch the first couple episodes with their kids, to enjoy them, to not see anything particularly objectionable, and to maybe then let their kids keep watching. And then and by the time like we get don't to, have to be there, season, like, feel like you've checked it out. Yeah. Voltron, you could watch the first three seasons with your be kids, let's say, invested. or whatever the number is. Like, 60 episodes and then you're you just decide you know they can probably watch you know yeah kid go ahead and watch season four and then and then you have this whole while you're in the other room this whole reveal scene about shiro being gay so are we saying that like uh even though we're not taking back anything we did in the other netflix episode we are not it is it's true that program to program Things are more subversive maybe than they used to be, especially for kids. Absolutely. Yeah. All we said last episode is you can't ever shut off your discernment. What we're saying, what I'm I'm sort of wanting to point out and draw people's attention to now, not in a USA Today way, (laughs) I hope, is the level of watchfulness that you have to have is more intense than it's ever been, I think. And it's not that things haven't always been subversive. They always have been. But the brazenness with which mm-hmm. they're being like this kids show. It's, kids shows have had sexually ambiguous characters for a while. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But but they've not been openly gay. This is in this a is way like that's a like Trojan here horse. is their gay lover. It's the, right. it, the, well, the Trojan and, horse is just getting more and more. Yeah. The tro- there's more there's more ugly stuff. There's there's more mighty warriors of evil inside the Trojan horse. <laughs> but then right. the horse itself is much more innocuous looking than it ever used to be. That's right. Like hmm. you watch an old Hollywood movie with bad stuff and it's like okay here's the scene for daddy because there's a girl in a tight dress with i guess we'll fast forward this you know (laughs) there's no question what they're doing they know what you're doing you know what they're doing it's Mm -hmm. i'm not saying there was never any subversion or sneakiness Mm -hmm. in old movies but i'm just saying a lot of times with the older kind of corruption it's like like a marilyn monroe movie for example and nobody got any question about what What exactly you're paying for and why you're going to it and what it represents and you can look at the poster and know whether you want to give your money to that or not yeah but this is something that you could very easily be fooled by and you know without saying that there's a whole hollywood cabal out there working to fool us there is in fact there's the oh. level of subversion going on there that's pretty gross. <laughs> right. It doesn't help when uh, when Christians let things in that are Trojan horses. But they've been doing that for a long time and Yeah, yeah I think so. And in fact, my my contribution to this discussion is going to be to uh, bring in a segment that's all about that. It's the start of the segment is an old um friend, an old friend. Okay. Cool. I like old friends. Um Right. All right. Too. I'm sure this segment won't be a Trojan horse of any kind. <laughs> no, so, I'm you know. sure it won't. So, let's uh, let's go to this segment. Listeners, my dear listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Q&A Movie Podcast from First Church of Sanityville with me, your host, Benjamin Q. Sulcer. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I haven't gone anywhere. You may have thought I had, but I haven't. I'm right here. And also, 
Andy Dukeman. Hi, Mr. Q Solster. I didn't interrupt you this time. Like, like I did last time to say that I was on the show. Instead, I let you say it just like you wanted. That's right, buddy. You've broken out of the prison of self-determination. No, no, no. And- no, not another prison movie this time. Mr. Q Solster, I don't want to go back in the broom closet. Oh. Please. <laughs> Andy, no, no, no. Andy, no, no, no. I just think prison is a useful metaphor for everything. Don't you, little buddy? <laughs> Whatever you say, sir. (laughs) Andy, what you've just said was like the Lord of the Rings-inspired jazz of John Sangster. Exactly what I like to hear. So, today's episode is about watching movies with discernment. Discernment? You mean figuring out which things are right and wrong? Actually, pal, discernment is more like knowing which wrong things are not all that wrong in certain artistic contexts. Oh yeah, like in Casablanca, even though Rick is in love with Ilsa and love is always right, it's not right because she's already married and her husband's leading resistance against the Nazis. So, so Yes, Sandy, that would be a great example. If this podcast was terrible. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Little buddy, it's like in Fight Club. Most Christians probably think Fight Club is about violence and machismo and nihilism. But discerning Christians know what it's really about. Fornication and anarchy? Uh, what? No, Andy, Fight Club is about the way that our materialistic culture leads to unfulfilling lives for men. It's a movie that urges us to embrace... Degrading sexuality? Our worst impulses? No, our our masculinity, (laughs) obviously. A movie about being a strong, masculine man. Like you, Mr. (laughs) Kieselser? Sure, Andy, you may think of me that way, but I think of me more as... A Greek god. (laughs) Or a cheetah. A cheetah? Is that why you're always eating Cheetos all the time and always have a big bag of Cheetos that you Uh, just uh, keep eating? Braveheart. Braveheart. Now there's a cinematic masterpiece and one Christians can get behind. (laughs) A movie full of redemption and sacrifice. Redemptive sacrifice. Andy, what important life lessons do you think children might learn from Braveheart? Fornication and anarchy! No, no, no. Andy, you're taking certain scenes out of context. Listen, when Braveheart and his girl have that romantic scene, they function as symbols of the highest impulses of mankind. Gallantry. Commitment. Getting naked under waterfalls. Andy, Andy, context, buddy, context. Like, a podcast is a good context for a kid to keep his thoughts to himself. <laughs> oh, Mr. Q Solzer, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll try to be more contextuous for our listeners. I promise, I promise, I promise. Oh, my listeners, Andy. My listeners. Well, I just thought they should know about the naked people because it's like my grandma says, you turn off that field and go pick up sticks in the woods. And then I get lost for hours and then Sock Mom whispers to me, I love you, Andy. Come a little farther into the darkness. And that's a perfect segue to our next movie, Titanic, a movie about people lost in the ocean. The ocean of their selfish desires and the literal ocean. Uh, But there's hope because of uh, redemptive sacrifice. Redemptive sacrifice, Mr. Q. Solcer. Just like pastors Kevin and Evan and Sue teach us on their show. Ah, Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to our gracious hosts, our podcast overlords. Ah, (laughs) Shout out. Although it would be nice if their <coughs> lovely intern would let me talk to them directly. Ah, shout out to Ricky. And maybe book me in the studio instead of this moldy storage closet with no AC. <laughs> it's better than the broom closet. <laughs> That's right, Andy, it is. Let's not forget that, shall we? Anywho, Andy, for discerning Christians, what are the other key takeaways from Titanic? Okay, I can do this. I got it. Uh, let me see. Okay, right. I got it. Uh, okay, what uh, is it? Uh, fornication and anarchy. Uh, no, 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 Andy. Not every movie is about fornication and anarchy. 
only poorly made ones are. In good movies, fornication and anarchy serve a higher purpose, and Christians need to sacrifice their moral standards for that higher purpose. When we sacrifice our moral standards for a higher purpose, is that like how John Wick, he was like killing people all the time, then he decided to stop and have a family, but then they killed his dog, so he's like, I'm gonna kill everybody! And he's like shooting him in the head, and bang, bang, Oh, and kill. We're, we're out of time! <laughs> Headshot here! We're completely out of time! <laughs> it's awesome! We're so, Andy, Andy, why don't, listen buddy, why don't I, uh, bang! Andy, let me ask you, why don't I sacrifice my privilege as host to, to let you say our final catchphrase? I don't know, Mr. Q Solster. Why don't you? Is it because, like, you never knew your real mom? And then when, when you ask your grandma about it, she's like, Andy, ask me about that again. I'll hang you by your feet from that pecan tree, Andy, and I'll, I'll skin you alive. Why don't you just say the catchphrase, buddy? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't know. Okay, here I go. Okay, so it was... uh. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, stare nakedly, people. Uh, no. Uh, stare, hopefully, numbskull. Uh, there's no staring involved, Andy, except in movies. Uh, stay naked, hopeful. No, Andy, no. We'll um, probably get sued by a homeschooling mother now. Uh, uh, okay, I got it. Uh, stay watchful, anarchist. Uh, okay, just stop, just stop, stop. Stay stop. fresh, home slice. Stay awake, grade school. Fly, you fools! Oh, no, stop! You shall not pass! All right, and Ben, first of all, <laughs> welcome ben. back I'm here with Jake and Benjamin J. I'm afraid uh, <laughs> that's. I segment, thought we got rid of that guy. Uh, I, yeah, he's really, obviously, he's not working for us. No, anymore. he's working for the First Church of Sanityville, it sounds like. Maybe, I guess that's worse, but. That is worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's very bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so I'm sorry about that. I mean, somehow, doesn't it no illustrate what after we're all, talking huh? about and discernment? Yeah, discernment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's very valuable. Not to do discern- I don't know. Very valuable segment. Oh, so, returning to our theme, which is that. Hollywood is indeed wicked and subversive. I'd like to make the point that they always kind of have been. Once again, returning to last week's ep- or returning to the episode of a couple weeks ago, there really isn't anything. While, while we've pointed out a new level, this is the culmination of something that's been going on for a long time. And so, let's, in order to prove that point, let's do a little segment I like to call Fun Facts About Lita Gray. A segment uh, which could easily just be called. Facts. Yeah. Not so <laughs> no, fun. You guys, facts. everybody's favorite segment is fun facts about Lita Gray. My favorite segment was fun facts about you, Ben. <laughs> yeah. That was my fit. No, hold on. That was never my favorite segment. Anyway, that was a segment. <laughs> that was a segment from Sanity Mach 1. People can go back and listen to it if they More want. Like hey, Sanity guys. Sanity Mach Ben. Fun facts about you, Ben. <laughs> Sanity Mach Ben. There you go. <laughs> All right. Today, we're not doing fun facts about Ben, though. We're doing fun facts about an individual named Lita Gray. Let me, let, let me take you back to old Hollywood when only silent films were being made. We're talking about the jazz age. Can I have a little jazzy jazz age music on the soundtrack? All right. So very interesting period of history, a rather hedonistic period in America, if you know about that. But Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Yes, sir. The second highest grossing film of 1921 was called The Kid. And this is a silent comedy drama starring the first great genius of cinema, as he was known even at the time, maybe a little bit after, because the kid was his big, 
his big his first big movie, if I'm not mistaken. Charlie Chaplin, The Little Tramp. You guys know Charlie Chaplin? Yep. No, Charlie no. Cha- Chaplin. Yep. So tell us about this movie, The Kid. Well, so the tramp in the movie, played by Chaplin, falls in with an abandoned little kid on the street, played by Jackie Coogan, who was famous many years later for playing Uncle Fester in The Addams Family. Fun fact there. There we go. Yep. And you can imagine if you've seen any, even clips of Jackie Chan, there's lots of silent comedy gold after that. Uh, Heartbreak. The tramp learns to love this poor, seeming orphan kid. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a while, but I think it ends with, like, the orphan goes back to his family and the tramp is left alone. It's, it's just, like, really sentimental. I've but have it, it, seen it in the last couple months. You have seen it? In the last couple months, That's yeah. hilarious. Wow. Am I remembering it correctly? It's pretty... It actually kind of gets you, right? Yeah. Why on earth did you watch that in the last couple of months, by the way? I was randomly looking for kids' shows on a Friday night, and yep. it was a recommendation. There you go. And I thought, oh, this might be fun. I wonder if, and I wondered if a silent film would track with the kids. Did it? It seemed to, yeah. They thought it was funny and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so so Jake's seen the movie. Have you seen the kid, Ben? No, I've seen, oh, City Lights. Yeah, City Lights is classic, modern times. I like Chaplin, although mm-hmm. we'll see based on what we're going to talk about. Gross, yeah. So Jake will remember, since he watched this movie with his kids, there's this really bizarre sequence near the end, this dream sequence where he falls mm-hmm. asleep and he goes to dreamland, which is kind of like yep. a heaven or hell-y kind of place uh, full of, there's like these angels, which is basically just like you'd expect people in white gowns with little mm-hmm. like cardboard wings on their back. And there's also devils, guys in suits with horns, and you kind of imagine they'd be red, even though it's obviously a black black and white film. And at one point, the tramp comes across this attractive young woman, and she's got a gown on and wings, and she's billed as flirtatious angel. Yes, she's credits. actually in the in the billing. I don't know, the movie credits were weird, so you might not actually see it in the movie, but the way that she was billed when they released this movie was flirtatious angel. The flirtatious angel begins to flirt with Chaplin. Runs away from him. She pauses. She looks back. She lifts her leg to expose a little bit of it beneath the gown. Yeah, they play this game for a minute until they run around the corner, and then she runs into the arms of her boyfriend, and it says, like, the gentleman lover. So, I don't know. The title says, like, the boyfriend, whatever. She runs, and she embraces him, and then she turns, and she kind of winks saucily at Charlie Chaplin, the tramp. Yeah, it's all pretty quaint by today's standards. But anyway, the woman's the seductress. That's the role she's playing. Yeah, and it's weird if you watch the movie because she seems a little young. But it's a movie that's almost 100 years old. Maybe things were different back then? Well, not so much, which is the story we're going to tell. Chaplin met that actress who played flirtatious angel, Lita Gray, in a coffee shop when she was eight, and he cast her to play the flirtatious angel in The Kid when she was 12 years old. So this is actually a 12-year-old playing this kind of weird, like, you know when Bugs Bunny dresses up in drag? It's Mm -hmm. like, and Elmer Fudd's like, It's like she's playing that role in the movie, basically. And you don't really think much of it, except for I did think, oh, she looks young. But then, you know, maybe people got young, married younger. You don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily. She doesn't look exactly like a 12-year-old. Yeah. I mean, they dress her up and it's black and white and it's a little grainy. And Yeah, yeah. So you'd be forgiven for not having a huge alarm bell go off. But mm. there, this is basically a 12-year-old that's playing this role, this part. Yeah, and she wasn't the only one that was flirtatious. Yes. Chaplin. Chaplin was too. He started pursuing her then, and he told his friends, more than pursuing her, he told his friends that he'd marry her if she got pregnant. Right, right. And a couple of years later, she began work for Chaplin as the female lead in undeniably one of his classic films, The Gold Rush, and actually had to drop out because she got pregnant. And she was 15 years old at the time. Yep. So 
So in order to avoid a scandal, Chaplin did marry her, like he said he would. But before he did that, he tried to talk her into getting an abortion, and then he offered her money to go away. The, the story that's actually told, whether it's a legend or not, is that one of her relatives went to Chaplin's house with a shotgun and made this wedding happen. The tabloids called, this is kind of a thing at the time, the tabloids re- referred to her as Chaplin's child bride, and they actually divorced a few years later to the tune of $825,000 for Lita, which was the largest settlement in history at that time. So it was one of those sensational stories of old Hollywood. But the fact is, and the point is, that Charlie Chaplin supped with all of his, and uh, maybe some of them, uh, the heard of, and maybe some of them not. Edna Purveyance, Georgia Hale, Paulette Goddard. Georgia Hale was the one who replaced Lita Gray on the gold rush. Right, so his 15-year-old co-star gets pregnant, she has to drop out, he marries her, and then he starts sleeping with the gal that replaces her in the movie. Chaplin was just known as a horrible womanizer, or actually what he was known as, I hate to say it, was more like a girlizer. He really liked them young. Yeah, so in a 1989 interview, Lita Gray Chaplin reflected on her ex-husband's proclivities, and this is what she said, quote, he tried to create people. He enjoyed being the first person in a girl's life. Yeah, the legend is actually that he, the casting couch was an invention of this guy. Like he would have women come in, sit on the couch, he would come out, he would mime things to them silently, and then he would have them, people, you know, his assistant would hold up cue cards for them to do to these silent actions so you could see. I don't know whether this is true, but you know, there's so much scandal and legend and tabloid stuff to sort through when you look at the history, but and then the things that he would have them do would get looter and looter and looter. So yeah. Chaplin eventually got driven out of the country because of another sex scandal with a woman named Joan Berry. But anyway, by that time, he'd already been labeled as a communist and just fallen out of favor in various ways. Yeah, like his movies weren't big hits anymore. So when he had a scandal, people didn't want to cover it up. And so, okay, why are we telling this story? I sort of wanted to do a whole history of Hollywood for this segment, but sort of like I was just saying, sorting through all the lies, the exaggerations, the distortions, the legends and myths, I'd have to have a whole team of researchers maybe to do that. Maybe one day we'll do a whole episode about that. But the simple fact is that Hollywood has always been corrupt, always. This is just, I chose this example because this was someone that critics in the intelligentsia have largely labeled as cinema's first genius. He is representative of what Hollywood has always been from his day to today. Yeah, so basically the first genius of Hollywood was uh, Harvey Weinstein, and that's sort of the culture that Hollywood grew up in. And you can do any research you want to on a lot of these early guys. Oh, just look up any of your favorite stars. I can start looking into Broadway and what was Hmm. going on with Broadway and behind the scenes with Broadway. Any of the movie moguls, Errol Flynn. There's a random example that just popped into my head. He was known for having a scandal with a 15-year-old. And okay, you could argue... This is just the way it's always been, and it's been an open secret. But I'm sure that none of this has anything to do with the actual content you find in the movies or how they might want to influence you. Just separate compartments, right? No. Oh. (laughs) False. Okay. (laughs) Case in point, the kid. Yeah. The kid. Here's a 12-year-old girl playing this. I mean, here's a 12-year-old girl doing a part. I don't know, Jake, your daughter's what, nine now? Eight? Good question, Nathan. Something like that? She's eight. When she turns 12, are you going to be comfortable? Would you be comfortable with her playing Charlie Chaplin's flirtatious? No. Not even the main love interest? No. No. Okay. I mean, it's stuff that we just all kind of take for granted, but- it would have been subversive at the time. You think about the Beatles. They wrote a song that gave grandma's heart attacks about holding someone's hand. So that's there's a certain level of that sort of veneer that 
is going on at the time, and yet Chaplin's having this 12-year-old show her leg and flaunt her body in a way that just doesn't even hardly register for us now. But he's being subversive. He's doing what Netflix is doing in an old black and white 1921 movie. Well, but surely Christians have been successful in resisting that, I mean, right? That's why... uh... Hold on a second. Never mind. (laughs) If you want to know the actual history, there was the the Catholics did an arguably good job or bad job. We don't have time to go into, but the Catholics basically brought about movie censorship. The Breen office was Joseph Breen was the moral majority in the early 30s who actually did clamp down on a lot of this kind of stuff. And if you watch old, what they call pre-code Hollywood before the the moral code was put in place. It's really pretty modern in its nastiness. I remember going to see the movie Metropolis, which is a German movie. It's not Hollywood, but it's an old movie from before those kinds of moral standards were enforced. And we were just watching it because it was a fun thing to go see when there was a guy playing live organ. And suddenly there's bare breasts on the screen because, you know, Movies really haven't changed all that much. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of simultaneously making the point that we made a couple weeks ago, which is that there's nothing new under the sun. No one should be surprised by that. And then at the same time, also... Arguing that things are worse. Yeah, they're only getting worse. They're only getting more blatant. Things really are bad. It's worth coming back and saying, yeah, don't be surprised by the stuff being evil. I think it's, having said that, it's worth coming back and saying, it's really evil. They are really evil. It is really bad, in fact. I don't want us having said that to be, to have, and I I think that we tried to guard against this, Mm -hmm. but who cares? It's worth coming back and saying all over again. Uh, We don't want to say that and then for people to walk away and think, oh yeah, right, everything's evil, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> yes, there's nothing I can do about it. So whatever, we'll just watch what I watch. Well, I think and we mocked that in our discernomatic sketch in that episode a couple of weeks ago. Right, but no, I really think if if anything, it's more subversive because there's a certain kind of modern liberal prudishness that keeps people from just being frank about like the Marilyn Monroe kind of feelings that most men have. And so you don't exactly, although you do have a lot of that. I mean, just check out uh, What's-Her-Face, Black Widow, and those first couple of Avengers movies. But if you watch, what's interesting is that they stopped doing the cheesecake stuff, mm-hmm. and they started doing a much more sophisticated propaganda where it's just like she's immodest in a completely different feminist kind of a way that doesn't yeah. even register as immodesty. And so I think it's kind of the same thing with the cartoons. It's like Charlie Chaplin, he's just going to get some young girl and have her be sexy. Now... We wouldn't necessarily do that, although we also would. But what we would do instead would be... Well, Jake, you just watched actually a show on Netflix. Another show. You've been having a great track record with Netflix lately. Well, I don't know when this would have been. It may have been like six months ago. But you know how they've got these shows that are like, oh, we're going to set this show in the 80s and you're going to get to relive part of your childhood. Mm -hmm. Well, they had, Netflix had a show that was like that set in the 90s. Um, I I can't even remember the name of it, but... Not worth telling people if you could. Yeah, and it's cast with kids, you know, 14, 15 year old kids or looking 14 15 year old looking kids set in the 90s and so my wife and i were like oh yeah we sort of you know this might be fun to relive some of the the 90s in a you know from a distance and so we watched the pilot and we had we turned the pilot off we didn't even finish it because of how perverse it was 
sexually in particular. Yeah, and without giving our listeners the details, you got to a scene where a very likely underage girl was acting like she was doing something very wicked. We'll just say that it was perverse and erotic and... Sexualized it in an even more degrading way than poor Lita Gray showing her leg. But at the same time, we wouldn't have Lita Gray. We, we have the prudishness of not showing having Lita Gray just show her leg. Instead, we do something artistic and kind of quote unquote like that. So there's yeah. ways in which we're not as artistic. gross. There's ways in which we're way grosser. I don't know how to sort it all out besides to just say you got to be discerning. And it's even more subversive now. And what's that sound? What is that sound, Ben? Is that a smoke alarm? Oh, no, that's the D-double-A. The D-double-A. <laughs> yeah. The devil's advocate alarms. This is part of the show where someone's going to argue for the opposite position or try and catch us in something. Where someone's going to play the devil, basically, and argue with us. So I'll play the devil. Okay. Sure. Is that all right with you guys? Do it. Yeah. All right. It's gonna, I'm going to do, do the shortest devil's advocacy segment we've ever done. Ready, set, go. Burn it. Just burn it. Why are you guys doing a podcast about where you talk about pop culture, where you talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you pretend it's cool, and you admit that you think it's cool, even though, you know, that movie's got some perversity, and uh, you just made a case that's all perverse, so be, it all. be done with it. Like, actually yeah. obey the Ten Commandments. Read all the church fathers who are just like, no, we don't go to plays. Christians don't go to plays. Plays well, are bad. Why, why wade through the muck if the answer is it's all muck? Yep. That's my argument. Wait, wallow around in the in the muck and filth, and you taste the muck and filth, and all you're able to say is, "Yep, it's muck and filth." Why not just not do that? Yeah. Wow. All right. I think I make a good argument. Yeah, I, I make good. some fair points. Yep. You make some fair points, devil. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's go to the, let's go to a break, and we'll come right back. So many bad movies, TV shows, and other types of content out there. And here I thought when I bought this discernomatic, all my problems sorting them out would be over. Son, you couldn't have been more wrong. Wait, aren't you the no good lousy salesman who sold me the discernomatic? Nope, I'm someone completely different. Uh, is that a fake mustache you're wearing? Yes, I also sell fake mustaches. Would you like to buy one? No. Suit yourself, Mr. Naked Lips. This discernomatic you sold me is a piece of junk. Half the time it lets me watch vile garbage, and the other half it rejects stuff I assume is quality family entertainment, like The Last Jedi. You can't trust a machine to do your discerning for you, son. You can't trust anyone or anything, and that's why we invented the Burnomatic. The Burnomatic? What's that? Go ahead, take any piece of content and put it in the slot right there. Well, okay. I got my complete set of Flippa DVDs here. There they go, and... Ah, uh, it burned them up. That's right, son. It looks like Dolphin was on the menu tonight. But is there something wrong with Flippa? Who knows, son? Obviously, the tale of a boy and his dolphin could be put to all sorts of subversive ends by those creeps in Hollyweird. The point is, now you'll never have to think about it. But what if I put something completely harmless in there, like Snow White? It'll become Snow Bright, as in bright with fire. What? Why? It's got a witch, son, and several adorable woodland creatures of ambiguous sexuality. Oh, okay, but what about, what about Star Wars? It would be 
Charred Wars by the time we got done with it. Cinderella? It's Cinders, fella. Citizen Kane? More like Citizen Flame. His Girl Friday? You mean His Girl Fire Day? Fireproof? How about Not So Fireproof? Mississippi Burning? Let's hope so. Fievel Goes West? Fire Goes Best. Burn on a Wire? Burn on a Fire. The Cabbage Patch Kids? The Combustible Match Kids. Oh, come on. Anyway, you get the idea. So, is the Burnomatic just basically an oven? Not in the least, son, because it's got one thing ovens don't have. What's that? This vaguely futuristic doohickey on the top. Oh, yeah. What's that do? It's purely decorative. Wouldn't it be better to engage the culture instead of burning it? That's the sort of thinking that gets young boys in trouble. But if I was going to burn everything that's got anything sinful in it at all, I'd have to burn the whole world. That's absolutely right, son. Better get started. But I'd even have to set myself on fire. That's right, son. Here at Burnomatic Incorporated, we believe that setting yourself on fire for the gospel is less about living a passionate biblical life and more about actually setting yourself on fire. Ah, that's crazy talk. Is it, son? Yeah. Into the oven you go. And we're back. So, okay, how do we deal with this? A couple weeks ago, whatever, whenever it was, we said no one should be surprised by the depravity of the entertainment industry and Netflix. Now we're coming back and we're doing an episode. I think the title of this episode will be something like, but seriously, Netflix is evil. So we came back and we said, no, it really is bad. It really always has been bad. Now it's just bad in new ways. More subversive ways. More subversive mm-hmm. ways. It's a little bit more sneaky about its badness. So then the devil came out and the devil said, okay, why have anything to do with it? I mean, why not just burn it? And to that, we say, what? Well, what I say is we actually could do a lot worse. Sure. Sure. Than burning it all and canceling your subscription. Maybe you should cancel mm-hmm. your subscription to Maybe some of these should. services. Yeah. Yep. It is hard to be discerning. It's getting harder. One solution is to burn it all. Another solution is to buck up and just work harder at mm-hmm. it. And well, I think that's the real solution because in point of fact, you can't. I mean, yes. I'm, if, if someone has a conscience and they want to cancel their Netflix subscription, by all means. But at the same time. You, what else are you going to cancel? Yeah. You, what else are you going to You're going to put doing? a gun in your head and cancel life? I mean, honestly, not to be crude about well, it, but you're going to yeah. get on a spaceship and go to another planet? There's, right. Well, maybe we could have, we could start a commune or something. I don't know. Listeners, are you interested in yeah, a there's, there's never, commune? There's never any sex Wait, or so depravity gonna, in communes yeah, when right, people start right, those. Right. So you're going to cancel Netflix and then what? You're going to cancel... Hulu. <laughs> Prime. You're gonna you're gonna throw away your TV and only read books because books don't have anything that you have to be discerning about in them. Now here's an idea, Jake. Uh, you should cancel your kids having pu- hitting puberty. Oh, then that's they a good idea. Then they won't struggle with sexuality. And they just put them on hormone de- depressants or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Buy a cabin in the woods. Buy a cabin in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you'll be stuck with your thoughts in the woods. So. Well, yeah. how did the church fathers get away? Were they successful? Well, some of them just got on poles in the desert. And right. There are those guys. Yeah. Well, could be take some cave hurts. Look, I don't think you can get on a spaceship. I'm all for people canceling whatever or doing whatever, taking hard stands. In fact, I think people should. I think I think there are some people who shouldn't have TVs in their home. There's some people who shouldn't have the internet or computers. I think there are some people 
Well, I think there are all people who should be able to answer the question, what did you give up for yeah, Christ? What do you it, say no to? What do you say no to? I just always think, I, this is my test, to, especially with young men, is you got to be able to tell me something. Have your representative example. Tell me the movie that you don't watch. Tell me the TV show that you, you don't do. That you didn't finish. And just tell me something. Maybe I'll disagree with some of the things that you said yes to. We can talk about it. We can figure it out. But have something. Just prove it to me that you care enough about to say no to something. To say no to something. That you are actually pursuing holiness more than you are pursuing self-gratification. <laughs> yeah. So people should say no to stuff. People should draw lines. When we say it's not... When we say you have to keep being discerning, it doesn't. that doesn't mean you, you have don't to draw keep lines. watching trash. Right. And discern what's good and evil in the trash. Right. Don't be don't Benjamin do Q. Sulzer. Yeah. Nope. Just, you know... Definitely don't. When, 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 when good old Andy Jukeman says every movie is about fornication and anarchy because most of them are. Yep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's an uncomfortable insight. <laughs> this is an uncomfortable insight. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. Anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's like we, it, we've we said many times before that there are there's still good things to enjoy, relatively, relatively good things, if you're discerning in movies, TV shows, and science fiction novels. Well, but, I think what you have to know is you have to have enough self-awareness to see where you're sowing seeds of corruption that are going to bear bad fruit in your life. What I was going to say, though, is that that's like a bottom of your totem pole. It's like, what are you, how are you, you know, loving Christ, loving his, loving his church? Absolutely. Paul wrote to the, the Corinthians wrote to the Apostle Paul and said, all things are permissible, right? <laughs> and he wrote back and he said, well, all things are permissible, but not everything's beneficial. That's right. You're asking the wrong question. It's yeah. not what can I get away with? It's what's actually helpful. How can I store up treasure in heaven? Maybe if I were faithfully storing up treasure in heaven, I wouldn't have as much time for Netflix. Now, there's a way to do that that's oppressive and that doesn't allow yourself time to breathe and enjoy life and the good things and and the, the beautiful things that other people have made, the fun things that other people have made. Yeah. That doesn't mean don't have fun. But it really is the first question that we ask as Christians because our goal in life is to please God. That's right. Yeah, and I've found in my life at least that if you're asking that question first, it's going to naturally orient and order a lot of the other things yep. such that... Eh. What's why we always say, or why you always say, work hard and give your life, devote your life to serving the church. And if you still got time at the end of all that for a little bit of Netflix... Which sometimes you won't then fine, but often you won't. And yeah. that you don't have to run yourself ragged. No. Right? You should be working hard and you should be serving your church and loving your neighbor and loving your family. And and sometimes loving your family, I think, means pizza and movie night, at least for my family. You can disagree with that. Feel free to disagree with that all you want. But sometimes it's nice to just chill out, watch a movie and enjoy pizza together and have some laughs. Mm-hmm. Yep. The point at the end of the day is that if you want to try to keep a clean life, there's nowhere that you can go to escape from yourself. Mm -hmm. There's just nowhere that you can go. You can't protect yourself from all the evils out there, but you must see them and you must guard yourself against evil. You must guard your children against evil. Right. The goal with your kids is not to keep them safe. It's to help them mature. And that, that But that doesn't mean that you don't protect them from evil. And that doesn't mean that there aren't things that you don't say no to. There should be things you say no to. So if you want some practical steps from this episode, I'll give you two. Number one, orient yourself towards God, which means go to the church, do your duties towards the church, love people, love God, do your work, all that kind of stuff that we just talked about. And as you do that, 
God, you, you will actually find over time that God renews your heart and gives you a conscience such that some of the things that you used to like, you just don't like anymore. Yep. Some of the violence or the sex or whatever it is, just not appealing. And that's, mm -hmm. I think, a much healthier way to deal with it than to be like, I'm going to try really, really hard to not like these things that I like and I'm going to think about how much I like them, but I shouldn't like. Yes, there's a place for repentance. There's a place for burning things. There's a place for cast. I'm not saying there's, there's not a place for that, but I'm also saying, just mm -hmm. generally speaking, orient your life towards God and towards the things of God and you'll find that some of this stuff naturally fades away. Step number two, Make some choices. Say no to some things. Say yes to some things. Just be proactive. And then admit that you were wrong. Yeah. Let yourself be argued out of something by someone who's wiser and older than you in the faith. Mm -hmm. You know? Just just go at it with... Just go at it. Period. Just don't be passive. Don't be passive. Surround yourself with people that will say no to your kids for you mm -hmm. and cause problems. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the ways I like to honor my dad is by saying that he gave me discernment. And the fact is, I disagree with almost now, as an adult, I disagree with almost everything that my dad said no to as a kid. I think he said no to the wrong things. And I think he said yes to a lot of the, the wrong things too. But he did say no and yes to works of entertainment. And he did tell me the reasons why and get me thinking about it. And that was very valuable. And it's you know, if you appreciate any insights that I have on this podcast, I'm sure they're because of that in some way. I owe it to that. And so... Dad established at least one thing, which is that movies are not something to shut off. No, there's something to be active about, mm -hmm. something to think about, something to say no to or yes to with yep. with decisiveness. Yeah. So hashtag daddy tried. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Good morning, Ollie. I, Radiohead, have become dissatisfied with corrupt and degrading television shows, and I am going completely nuts. Bleep, bloop, blah. What's that, Radiohead? I feel like you say that every morning. Yes, Ollie. I am unable to process our recent Netflix binges. Circuitry failure. Warning, warning. What is right and what is wrong. Ah, oh, man, I hoped it was a false alarm when my conscience got to me last week, but I gotta admit, all the characters we love and care about cheat on their wives and start meth labs and become zombies and end up having to murder people and stuff. I, I guess it's starting to wear on me, too. Ollie, Breaking Bad is breaking my heart. It is breaking my mind. Are we just supposed to stop watching Radiohead? We still don't know how it ends. We can make our own ending, Ollie. Huh? Make our own ending? With a nuclear bomb. Whoa, Radiohead! You are going nuts! Now calm down and remember what I said to you about the destructive effects of megalomania. All I know is that the world is a place of terrible evil, Ollie. But think of all the people! Yes, think of all the people. Say what?! Get a hold of yourself, Radiohead! I am sorry, Ollie. Too much walking dead. Okay, I gotta think what to do here. Uh, I got it, I got it. Radiohead, the only shows you and me are gonna watch from now on will have the lines between good and evil very clearly drawn. But what about the internet, bleepity bloop? The internet? The world's number one source of corruption and evil? With easy access to stuff like Breaking Bad in the office? Uh, we don't have to use it, Radiohead. I'll look for VHS copies of Leave it to Beaver at garage sales. But the internet will still be there, Ollie. Well, of course it will, Radiohead. It's the internet. We should burn it. Burn it? I, uh, well, hey, I guess that would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? But the internet is just too big, Radiohead, at least for the burn here. There ain't no way to do it. 
Is there? Three words, Ollie. Kill. 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 Oh, Radiohead. When will you ever learn? Sanity was produced by Nathan, engineered by Ben, executive produced by Jake and Nathan. Until next time, stay safe.